Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Vlako Andonovsky has named his 23-player roster ahead of the April United States Women's National Team friendlies on April 9th and 12th. With two former national team players, we are diving into this roster. We're predicting our ideal starting lineup, discussing what player rotations we want to see, who needs to step up with only two players over 100 caps, and the top three things we want to learn from the U.S. versus Uzbekistan. Like this video and subscribe to Attacking Third Page right now to join the conversation in the chat because we want to hear from you. Welcome into the United States Women's National Team Hour. I'm Lisa Roman alongside former United States Women's National Team midfielder Lori Lindsay and goalkeeper Jill Lloyd. Welcome so much into the U.S. Women's National Team Hour. Before we dive into it, you can join us live on youtube.com slash attacking third. Join the conversation in our chat. You can listen to all of the U.S. Women's National Team Hour shows on the Attacking Third podcast. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the places that you are listening to your podcast. Hey, Lori. Hey, Jill. Welcome back, Lori. Episode two for us. How's it going, Lori? Great. Always good to see Lisa and Jill Lloyd in the house. Good to have you. Yay. <laughs> Jill, thank you. I think you. it deserves an air horn to get us together, Lori. Like All of us live like five minutes away from each other, essentially. And it's like, <laughs> we never get to see each other unless you're in another state. So, Or on a podcast. <laughs> Or yeah, or live on yeah. a podcast, exactly. I know, I, I've actually seen Jill more than I have Lori, and I've known Lori for longer, but Jill, <laughs> we are glad to have you got you here. Two former teammates of each other and, and friends, it's always good to grow the conversation, expand it to another guest and have more insight. Lori, yours are great, but you know, I want to stir things up. <laughs> See what Shirley, Lori just talks about the midfield all the time. So we're going to get a little bit deeper dive on the, on the defensive side. It, well, Goalkeeper too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about them. They're important. <laughs> they yeah. are important. I'm sure we'll dive into the goalkeeper chat as well. If you are joining us live on YouTube right now, you have a chance to win a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. We are giving it away and we all want you to win. You can watch Serie A, CONCACAF, Champions League, NWSL matches. Huge congrats to Same Same But Kelly. She won this gift card last week. All you have to do to win this $100 Paramount Plus gift card subscription is like this video and drop your Twitter or Instagram handle in the YouTube chat without the at symbol. Don't include the at symbol with your Twitter handle and we will pick a winner of the $100 Paramount Plus gift card. So today's episode, Lori Jill, we're going to chat about the friendlies that the United States Women's National Team has coming up. There are two in April, one of them on Saturday, April 9th. 
at 5.30 p.m. in Columbus, Ohio. First time playing in the new stadium in Columbus for the national team. And then they come to Philly. They actually come to hang out with us in Philadelphia on Tuesday, April 12th, 7 p.m. at Subaru Park, which is where the Philadelphia Union plays. Um, a bit of a news update from the roster. The last time we did this a week ago, uh, it was just before the national team roster dropped for these April friendlies. And there was an announcement made on Friday, April 1st, that midfielder Sam Ewis will not be attending the April training camps as she continues to work her way through a knee issue. So she will not be replaced on the roster as well. In the past, we've seen uh, Black Wendonofsky give players time continuing with their club or in an instance of Kat Macario not traveling from Lyon back to the States. Um, and he has replaced those players, but Ewis will not be replaced in this instance. Um, so the 23-player roster is out. Now it's down to 22 players without Sam Ewis. And we're going to run through it. And I want to hear your starting lineups. For anyone who hasn't seen it yet, we did do an episode right when this roster dropped talking about it. Lori was there. Sandra was there talking about the different players and who all was called in. Um, I'm going to run through the roster quickly for anyone who didn't listen to that or hasn't seen the roster yet. For goalkeepers, three of them, Bella Bigsby, Aubrey Kingsbury, and Alyssa Nair. Defenders, Alana Cook, Abby Dahlkamper, Imani Dorsey, Emily Fox, Sophia Huerta, Naomi Gurma, Kelly O'Hara. Midfielders, Lindsay Horan, Jalen Howell, Rose Lavelle, Kat Macario, Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, Andy Sullivan. Forwards, five of them rounding out this group. Ashley Hatch, Mallory Pugh, Margaret Purse, Trinity Rodman, and Sophia Smith. Of course, Sam Ewis not listed on this roster anymore. So big chunk of players, 22, a lot of them on the younger side. We've talked about this last time, Lori. When you look at this, Jill, I'm going to go to you first. When you take a look at this roster, are you surprised that anyone got called in? Any of the younger players that called in? Are you surprised at who didn't get called in? We got Lori's thoughts on this before, but I want to hear from you. Is there anyone missing from this list or you're surprised to see? Um, I think it's tough. I mean, I think there's a lot of young players in there. And I think you need some veterans um, back in the mix. The leadership, the they know the identity. And, and certainly um, Kelly O'Hara and... And Alyssa Nair have been there, done that, um, and been successful in World Cups and Olympics. And I think you need some of those veterans and maybe a couple more um, back into that mix just to, like, we're so close to qualifying. And um, we need that that leader um, when things go wrong who have experienced it and know how to stay calm under pressure um, and who can help guide because once you get to your first world cup and first Olympics, your eyes are so big and you're like, Oh my gosh, we're here. Um, <laughs> and do you need some people like, yeah, okay, we're here. You know, we've done this before and we're going to do it again. Lori, when you look at this, I know you did talk with Sandra about this right when this roster dropped, but is there anyone missing that you did want to see on this list? That's not here. I don't think so. I think in terms of the younger players, this is pretty complete. Um, you know, I'm in the same kind of boat as as Jill, except, uh, you know, you want to have that mix. I think we do already know what the veteran players can do. And we know Megan Rapinoe is still coming back from an injury. Alex Morgan, Kristen Press are starting to get into their form in the NWSL. Those are a couple of players that Vlako Ananoski said specifically, I need them to be performing in the NWSL. And in some ways, though, for these games, it does make sense that those veteran players aren't in here in the fact that they will still continue to get the minutes um, with their club teams. However, 
it is a tight window. Outside of these two games, you have two more international games prior to Vlaco having to announce the roster. So this will be interesting. And I think it's more about the mix in these games and who he puts out to be able to see kind of start to see some partnerships. I love that transition. It is all (laughs) about the mix of the players, player personnel, who you put out there, different positions. We've seen Kat Macario being thrown into the nine role up top, not her usual role in the midfield. Uh, I want to hear it. Jill, we're going to start with you. You are the coach. You've got your cap on. You've got the whiteboard with your marker starting 11 on Saturday for the United States against Uzbekistan. Who do you have? All right. Let's start with the goalkeeper, obviously. Oh, (laughs) okay. Um, I think Alyssa Nair is our solid one. I think she's the best goalkeeper in America right now. Um, but I'm going to go with Aubrey Kingsbury because I think she needs experience. Um, Alyssa Nair still, uh, she's come back from her injury, right? But the number two spot is wide open, in my opinion, um, with Casey Murphy being out injured, um, AD French not being called in, Jane Campbell not being called in. We need an experienced number two, or at least some experience. You don't want your first cap to be in qualifying. Um, so I would say I'm going to start with Aubrey. She's been the most consistent goalkeeper uh, for the last few years in the league. And I think a lot of people have question marks about her feet, but I think um, with some really quality players on the back line that that, that problem will be solved. All right, Why are you laughing, Lori? Oh, I, I, I'm just loving the conversation already. So Me keep too. it going. Let's go. Get your back four in there. Keep going. We're All going right. your whole roster, and then we'll do ours. So keep going. All Moving right. up the line. All right. I, like I have uh, Fox at left back and Sofia Huerta at right back. I think they're the two most dynamic, creative, um, but also really quality defensive players as well. Um, and the thing that I like about um, Huerta and Fox is their intelligence. Um, They understand space. So um, they can get into those wide channels, um, but they can also leak in on the inside in the half spaces as well. And their intelligence of understanding where the ball is, where my teammates are, where the opponents are, um, is just really special. So I think that they can help in the attacking side um, in those half spaces, but they also can help in our rest defense as well. Um, Center backs, I have Naomi Gurma and Alana Cook. I want to see um, what Gurma can do. She has uh, so much talent. And I think when you play against a team, an Eastern European team, you do need some center backs who are quality on the ball. So Gurma Gurma is is good at progressing the ball at the back. And you also need center backs who can um, help in terms of counterattack. So, Alana Cook is like, that's her main job at OL Reign. Um, her team gets up high up the field, and she's kind of like that uh, center back that can read passes, intercept passes on the counterattack, big, strong player if they try to look direct. Um, so I like that back four. And- I'm going to just ask a question about this. So Gurma, she plays alongside Doll Camper at San Diego, but you don't have them starting. Why? I'm just curious. Why alongside Cook? Um, yeah, I think Cook can provide us more support in the counterattacking moments. And I think her big, strong physique, if teams look to go direct into their nine to set play from the nine, that Cook can challenge those. She's good in the air. And when you're playing against a team that's that sits in, um, it's difficult to break them down where you could earn potential corner kicks and set pieces from those moments. And Alana Cook is really good in the air. So that gives you another method of breaking down teams in low blocks. 
Cool. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Jill. Keep it going. Are you going to, so you're, you're, it looks like a four three three is what we're yeah. getting from you. So who are your three in the midfield? Um, I'm going with goalkeepers in the midfield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, Aaron, the sixth position. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Andy Sullivan. Uh, I think she's really good disruptor and, and quality on the ball uh, with Haran and, and Sanchez. That's my midfield. And then up top I have Sorry, Jill. Who was that besides Sanchez and Sullivan? Haram. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. And then I got Pew 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 on the left. Uh, <laughs> Pat Macario in the nine, playing in a little bit more of a false nine position. And then Sophia Smith on the right. And I went with Smith because I think she's going to be important in these games where teams sit in a little bit. And we know that she can break lines and transition. We know how lethal she is when she gets in between and has space to run in front of her but now i want to see like hey can you break down low blocks can you play in quick combination um can you find space and create space for yourself when there's very limited um space i love this lineup i like the midfield unit you have this is crazy jill i had the same exact back seven (laughs) back four and then midfield three um I'm curious about Macario and and being that false nine along with Pew and Smith up front. What kind of movement do you want to see from them? I know you're mainly focused on the goalkeepers here with Nair in the six, but we'll get to that <laughs> substitute. Listen, hold on real quick. I love this comment, though, from Emily Grace. Uh, I think it's Rezzer. She's like, Nair would dominate as a six. I love her. <laughs> no That's doubt. True. So listen, you've already got some – you've won some people over. They're on the same page as you. Of course. It's true. I, they they appreciate it. So with your your front three that you have, Macario as the false nine, uh, did you like what you've seen when Andonovsky has put her in that role, or do you think she can provide more being alongside Pew and Smith up front? Um, yeah, I kind of like her in that false nine role because when you play against teams who are going to sit in, she can try to come back into the midfield and they can look for some counter movement, um, either with Ashley Sanchez or Lindsay Horan making those runs in between. Um, but I also think when she drops back into the midfield, that potentially could open up space for Pew and Smith to attack, um, as well as like Horan can get out wide, Sanchez can get out wide, Fox and Sophia Huerta can come mm-hmm. on the inside. I just think that it adds another layer of um, – it's just dynamic. And I think that the movement of Cat can pull center backs out and make a lot of space in between the lines. I think that that could be really helpful. So we have your starting 11 that you're putting out on, on the pitch. Um, did you have a first rotation in, or if, if you had to make any changes or is this what you're sticking with? I know I'm throwing this at you. It wasn't in our rundown, but is, is, is there a first substitute that you would want to see being thrown into this mix? Because the three in the midfield between Haran Sanchez and Andy Sullivan, I love that combination. I think that uh, Sanchez and Lindsay Haran, I really want to see them play together in that attacking role. Uh, but who's first rotation for you first off the bench do you think um I know she's injured but it would probably be Becky Sauerbrunn is that an acceptable answer Wait, no <laughs> she's not listed in the roster I'm just wire in get um, healthy yeah exactly um I'm kidding um in the front line um I obviously want to see Trinity. I mean, Trinity is like, um, she's got everything. She can do it all. She can beat you with pace. Um, She's dominant in the air. 
Um, and then my, my biggest question is like, we know she can do it at the NWSL stage when we're a transition league. Can she do it against teams that um, are going to make it really difficult? Mm-hmm. Um, not sure this Eastern European team is going to be able to provide that opportunity, but I'm looking forward to see if she can do it at the international stage. And I, I think getting, that. yeah, I think getting her some minutes and, and getting her um, comfortable with the, the, the style of play and with the the different players, I think that could be really helpful. I like that rotation, having Trinity in there. All right, Jill, thank you for that. We're going to pass the coaching baton over to Lori because uh, not one, but two starting lineups we might be getting from Lori Lindsay here. Let's hear them. Okay, well, I did too because there's certainly going to be rotations from game one to game two, no doubt, or I at least imagine. There or you would just be had this. to one-up us. It's yeah, fine. Actually, that is that is what happened here. And now um, we'll go with that. Um, so I am very much similar to both of you. However, um, I do have some differences. So I, for the first game release or my my first starting lineup, I have Alyssa Nair because she is get in goal. She is coming back from injury. I think, you know, when you think about, to, to Jill's point, in terms of having some of that leadership when there's very little on this team right now, I have Alyssa starting because I think she can um, bring that vocal leadership from the back. Um, I don't expect a ton of... Um, work for her to do in this game. No offense to Uzbekistan. I think that just could be the reality of this, these couple games. And, um, but still that vocal leadership um, from the back would be important from her. And then I have Fox and Huerta on the outsides as well. Um, you know, in, in a lot of cases, we already know and seen what Kelly O'Hare can do. So I actually have Huerta um, starting in both games as that right back because I think it's invaluable for her to be able to get some minutes to be able to see how she um, can create. We saw her score a beautiful goal for O.L. Reign. Um uh, a couple weekends ago. So what can she do from that back position? I will stay, take a step back. I do have Kingsbury starting in the second game because exactly okay. what Jill's saying as um, needing minutes with Bella Bixby and her having no caps yet, um, getting some valuable minutes, but Kingsbury allowing her to at least come in at halftime, maybe in that first game, but definitely getting the start in the second game. Um, my two center backs though for the first game are Dahl Kemper and Cook. Um, again, just, you know, I don't think the, the center back for Naomi, I'm not so sure she gets called into this camp if there weren't the injuries that we've seen with Becky Sauerbrunn, Tierna Davidson. So that's the only reason why I don't have her starting. I think she's very deserving. Um, she's been solid throughout these, um, first games for San Diego. However, I do put Cook and Dahl Kemper in there for this first game. Um, and then I have Dahl Kemper and Gurma for the second start um, just because of that partnership that they have with San Diego and see what that looks like at the national team level. Uh, And then midfield. Hell yeah. All three of us are on the same page. I do have Sullivan, Sanchez and Haran. Um, You know, I think again, we've seen Rose in there. We've seen um, who else Um, we've seen uh, Christy Mewis quite a bit. Uh, So just giving Sanchez and Haran to see what they look like, especially with in these games. And I'll talk about this a little bit later. I have Sullivan starting in both games of that six, because I think this Mm -hmm. is an important um, two game series for her in terms of solidifying that position and what it means in that position when you do have a team that's potentially going to sit in that mid to low block that we've been talking about. Um, and then up top, uh, I have Macario is uh, nine Smith on the right and then Pew on the left. And in particular what, yeah, same as Joe. 
<laughs> in particular with Macario. Um, one, I think she's been lights out with Club and Country recently, and no doubt, um, bright, bright future is I think we can all agree upon. But I like her in that nine because I do feel like she's starting to come into her own and um, feel the tempo of the national team a little bit more. You know, there's a lot of discussion do we play our wide, do we play our attacking mid? And especially leading up to the Olympics last year, I don't think we quite saw her capabilities. Then a little bit of a coming out party at the She Believes Cup, and her movement seemed more confident. So, but I think with Haran helping set play with Sullivan, but then also her abilities to get in behind, and then Sanchez, we've seen her in the NWSL being able to um, get into more attacking positions. I think that could be a really interesting mix with those three of Haran, Sanchez, and Macario, especially in those central areas. And then Jill said it. Perfectly. Can't I can't go against that with Pew and Smith and yeah. their abilities to get isolated, hopefully serve dangerous balls in. And I think ultimately it'll be how do they um, partner up with those outside backs for Smith would be Huerta and then Pew for Fox. Um, but real quickly, I'll just go to what my round out my last um, my my second uh, starting lineup. So I. For Kingsbury, I said Dahl Kemper and Gurma anchoring the, the center back position, where to again, and then I have Imani Dorsey because I would mm, really like to see yeah. her. I think she adds something that we don't um, – she's been really solid for Gotham, and i just interested to see her at this level and continue to develop her game. I, As I mentioned before, Sullivan in that number six again, and this time I have Mewis and Lavelle. So I think that gives you a, a – quite a bit of a different look. I think yeah. it would be important in this um, starting lineup though, then Chrissy Mewis is more of that um, um, help out with Sullivan, her ran role at more of a number eight than just getting into the attack. Uh, but then up top hatch purse on the right and Rodman on the left. I love the rotation that you're throwing in there. I want to take a look at Josh Ka, I'm going to say, in our mm -hmm. chat. He said, this is a good chance for younger defenders to get time with Alyssa Nair. I really like this point, especially as you mentioned, Lori, you're starting in your first game, Nair in the back with Doll Camper and Cook. Mm -hmm. um, I like that group and that core group of, of defensive trio right along the center back down the spine of the team. Um you mentioned Andy Sullivan. She's getting the start in both of these for you at, at the six role. And you talked about having to play against a team that's most likely going to sit in that low block. Mm -hmm. As a six for Andy Sullivan, what is her role offensively against a low block? Yeah, an outlet. An outlet consistently being the one that's going to help set play. I think always offering support. I think at times, depending on who's who is the mix in there, Haran could drop deep and, and help set play as well. That allows Andy to get higher up the field. But in, in a situation that I think that we're going to see the U.S. team in, just pushing numbers forward isn't mm -hmm. always going to be the most fruitful. So can Andy, with playing quickly, helping set the tempo, whether it's side to side, whether it's quick little set um, slip passes in centrally, then I do think that that will be her role to be able to, you know, kind of pull this Uzbekistan team out of their defensive shape as much as possible. But again, it's just going to be an mm -hmm. outlet constantly moving the ball. I have that. And we're going to talk about that later, kind of like what we want to see, but that is one of my things is like Sullivan, how can she help um, 
with the tempo. Because I think a lot of times when we talk about patience, we think, oh, we need to slow the pace down. But that's not the case. You can play quickly, you can, and you can still decide, okay, let's look for the next pass. Let's look for another pass until it opens up and there's a clear, more clear opportunities going forward. I love these lineups that we have. As I mentioned, mine is very similar to yours. I have Kingsbury starting, Fox, Cook, Germa, and Huerta across my back line. Andy Sullivan, Haran, and Sanchez in the midfield. And Pew, Hatch, and Smith up front. I want to see Hatch with players like Pew and Smith and what that trio can do because they possess a lot of the same initial tendencies, but their talents are different from each other because Hatch can also drop back and receive the ball at her feet and then quickly spin out. And I think that if Hatch can drop into that hole and try to receive that ball with Pew and Smith running diagonally off her shoulders, that could be really dangerous and a fun way for that front three that is younger with a little bit less experience in this type of situation to try Mm -hmm. to break down a a block. Um, But first off the bench for me, I have Rose Lavelle. I would like to see her alongside Sanchez as well yeah in that midfield I think that Lavelle and Sanchez together um will be interesting Mm -hmm. honestly they Rose sometimes gets the ball and she just runs in front of her and I want to see what Sanchez does and how she reacts when Rose takes off with the ball is she going to try to help support that or is she going to try to make a run off of Lavelle's run and receive the ball that way from her. Um, the support between those two with Sullivan sitting in behind, I, I'm actually super excited to see kind of how that rotates through. Um, but Macario up top too, I, I, I love that. I think we're going to see it. We saw it before with Lackland and how Kat Macario can be in that nine role and, and be a withheld nine supporting so much. Um, this I love these starting lineups. I like that we got... A little bit of rotation. Who's coming in off the bench? Lori above and beyond. A plus for you. Sure, <laughs> fine. Overachiever giving us two starting lineups. Um, and and Jill, of course, you giving us yours. And maybe we'll see Nair in the midfield. But Jill, yes, you have who a thought. Is, yeah. Who are you guys putting the captain armband on? Oh, I love this question, Lori. Um, go ahead. Yeah, Jill, go for I'm, it. Jill. I'm going to go with Andy Sullivan. That would be my captain. Yeah, you know, I was I was kind of leaning that way too. Uh, I think with the lineups that I have, I would probably go with Dahlkemper, mm-hmm. um, with her starting the two um, games. Um, however, I do think Andy Sullivan is a good shout, and I think that's an interesting one to play around with it a little bit as well to um, you know give that confidence to say, hey, we do see you as that impact player, somebody that needs to be vocal, also lead by example, and no doubt I think we've seen Andy do that. And I still, I still feel like with Sullivan, there's this like a whole nother level, right. That she can get to as well. I honestly think with the midfield, I have Sullivan, um, Haran and Sanchez. I think Haran would get to wear it in, in this opening match, especially in my lineup. I have Fox, Cook, Germa, and Huerta across the back line. So Haran being my experienced leader in that midfield. But we gave our starting lineups. We talked and touched on how Uzbekistan is most likely going to sit in a block. So how does the U.S. combat that? What do they need to do in order to break that down? And so many times people talk about why is the U.S. playing a number 45 ranked team. Well, there is a reason and a method to all of this madness. We're going to talk about it right after this quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can catch all of those great shows on Paramount+. Plus. And if you are joining us live on YouTube, you have a chance to win a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. All you need to do is like this video and drop your social media handle in the chat. That's Twitter or Instagram. Do not put the at symbol, but drop your name in the chat and we will pick a winner. Congrats to uh, same, same, but Kelly, who won last week, a hundred dollar gift card. So you can watch NWSL, you can watch CONCACAF, you can watch Syria, lots of great content on Paramount Plus. But we're talking the United States women's national team ahead of their April friendlies. They are playing Uzbekistan, number 45 ranked team right now. A little bit about the competition. It's the first time that the U.S. will play Uzbekistan. It is the 55th different country that the United States has played. That's huge, I think, because soccer is growing. There are more teams, more competition. Um, They are ranked number 45 in the world right now and number seven in Asia. They played in the Turkish Women's Cup during the February FIFA window when the United States played in the She Believes Cup. Uh, During the Turkish Women's Cup, Uzbekistan went one, one, and one. They beat Lithuania one nil. They fell to Ukraine two nil and they drew with Venezuela zero zero. So conceded two and scored one in that three game um, matchup so they can get on the board they also can hold a team to two shutouts in that type of Turkish tournament uh, the Turkish Women's Cup that we saw but now playing against a team like the United States and we talked about the roster who we wanted to see in that starting 11 what is the point and the purpose of playing these friendlies against a competition that is number 45? So many times we see fans talking about this on social media and in the competition. And we saw this in the friendlies at the end of 2021. So our top things that we want to learn from the women's national team in these April friendlies, uh, let's dive into it. Lori, when you're looking at these teams, we talked about the low block and, and, that helped dictate a starting lineup that you wanted to see for the United States. What is Black Wandanovsky looking for, whether it's from this group of players, this type of competition, or even leading up to the start of World Cup qualifiers that he needs to see? Yeah, well, I think we should take a step back. I think um, to your point about um, playing a team like Uzbekistan, who's ranked number 45, uh, it's not as simple as just like, you know, closing your eyes and like, like throwing a dart, right? And like hoping that you get like a higher ranked team. I mean, I do think it is important to remember that 
there are still some COVID implications in regard to all of this and getting teams to come over. And then there's TV rights deals for U.S. soccer. So it's not as easy as just like, hey, let's get the top teams over here, especially when a lot of the top teams are European based and they're about to play in the Euros and they're not wanting to travel to come over to the United States right now for whatever reason, right? Because they want to play competition. So there's a lot to, to mix in there. So I think that is important. However, I still very much think that there is like, regardless of the ranking and the um, the growth of women's soccer in general, this team will be an interesting feat for the um, you know for the United States because I think it's always asking questions. How can we continue to get better? There's we've talked endlessly about how young this core the, this core group is, what that's going to look like in. Um, compared to the NWSL, which we know can get pretty spread out, wide open, transitional league. And I don't think this game um, or these two games are really going to offer a transitional type game. So then it adds another layer to it, right? How do players, and, and Jill touched on that with her starting lineup as well, how do players react? How can they be impactful in the same way when you don't have as much space? So <clears throat> all of that said, um, you know, the three things that I think that Vlaco or Listen, if I'm the coach, what I would be looking yeah. for is, um, one, patience in the buildup. Um, and I, I kind of hit on it a second ago, which is sometimes we think of it like when we think of patience, we think, okay, we have to be, slow things down. But we know that the U.S. likes to play at a fast tempo. We know they want to go to the goal as quickly as possible, and you want that in their DNA. But sometimes that is not always the best way to break teams down because then it's turnovers. You get frustrated if you're not scoring. So what does that look like? And that's when I talked about Andy Sullivan being critical in terms of helping set play, switching the point of attack when necessary, and and just being a bit more patient, still moving the ball quickly but also finding that extra pass when it's necessary. Um, where is the team giving you? Is it out wide? Do they shift quickly and try to lock you in? So is it on the other side? So patience in the buildup is um, the first one. And then two, I think one of the most critical things is the positioning of our outside backs with our wingers. When teams sit in a low block or a mid block, you have to find ways to be able to break that down. And I think we... So you know, or I saw this watching the U.S., especially against Czech Republic in the She Believes Cup. A lot of times our winger and our outside back will be in the same plane and it's easy to defend. Mm -hmm. So what is the movement? What is the pairing between those two look like? Is one coming in more centrally, one staying wider? Because then you ask questions. If you're stacked on top of one another, the team defensive team just has to shift and it's easily. So we end up putting ourselves in under more pressure instead of asking um, questions of the defense. So that pairing um, and the positioning of that. Um, and that's where I think uh, somebody like Huerta could be mm -hmm. really shine in these games, depending on is she coming central, helping out with an Ansel of an almost as a six and, um, and then also being able to cover ground to get wide um, when we do lose the ball. And uh, then, before, Lori, before you jump to your third point, uh, TJ Trek's here in the chat saying that he'd love to see an experiment with a three back. It's almost kind of what you're saying with Huerta sliding forward and into that six. Do you think we could see a shift with either one of uh, Fox or Huerta in the outside back position really staying high? Yeah, well, TJ Trucks. I just want to say that name. Um, thanks for the comment. Uh, <laughs> listen, I I think this is a really interesting um, conversation to have because we can talk about formations all the time. And really, it's just about movement and fluidity. So 
it is kind of what I'm saying. Yes, let's say they are sitting back pretty deep, right? Uzbekistan. Then ultimately, it is going to look like a two or three back, depending on how many people that, that Uzbekistan puts behind the ball. So it, it actually, starting positions might be a four through three, but eventually as the game mm-hmm. moves on, then that's when it comes to the players. And that's what I'm talking about, the movement. You know, case in point, I don't know how many people on here watched a Bayern Munich men's team. They do this all the time, though. They have a back that goes into the number six position and helps, like, with movement of the ball um, when they are in possession, right? And so this is the exact same thing. And we've seen Huerta, I mentioned her, but she does that with OL range. She will get into the attack more centrally and help circulate the ball around. So, again, it depends on our positioning. It depends on the movement. The tempo has to be high. Um, it can't be slow, otherwise it's too easy. Um, mm-hmm. But it is about being patient and then ultimately players being able to step into where, where the space is. Yeah, so you have patience in the buildup, uh, yep. the wingers and your outside backs and, and making sure they're on the same page but not in the same plane of the field. You have a third point for us, the third biggest thing you want to see from this. And then Sullivan. I mean, I've mentioned her a lot of times. I, she will be the glue to this team in terms of movement of the ball, in my opinion. Um and being an outlet every time because there's going to be times if we are being patient where you know a floated ball in or a low percentage ball that's just floated into the box isn't going to be on so if Mm -hmm. Sullivan is going to have to be the person to say hey demand the ball again circulate it around look for little slip balls into Macario or um, Haran or Sanchez in our hypothetical starting (laughs) lineups right (laughs) um but yeah, I think she's going to be key, extremely important to this team and her getting these minutes um, in these games as she so does then um, could be invaluable for this team going forward. I think you make great points about all three of that. Patience in the buildup is going to be huge. Does the youth of this roster play a role in almost having to learn and make those decisions on the fly because they don't have a veteran in Becky Sauerbronn in, in the back line to dictate how the, the tempo of the game is going to go and keep things moving. Who Who is the player that's going to need to do that in the patience, but also keep the ball moving? Yeah, Sullivan, because I think there's times too when, you know, it, it's, if we go up one side and are attacking on the right-hand side, if it's not on, then Sullivan being that outlet or whoever the midfield is in terms of rotation to be able to, to pull it back out to see if you can pull Uzbekistan out of a low block in itself to open up more gaps. So mm-hmm. in, instead of just continuing to go, 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 can you find those moments, say, hey, it's not on, we go back around, then something opens up, right? Because you've pulled them out. Um, of their low defensive shape. Great points from Lori. Jill, I want to pick your brain on this too, especially um, you have a bit of a defensive mindset as a goalkeeper and you tend to look at that as well. But against a team like Uzbekistan that probably won't put too much pressure on the United States back line and even test a goalkeeper that frequently, what are you looking for in this game? What are some things that you really want to see from this side? Um, I think for a long time, uh, the U.S. has been known for mentality, athleticism, um, speed, strength, all those things. And I think that one thing that we have been critiqued on or questioned on for a long time is our football intelligence. And I think a game like this could um, provide a lot of opportunities for players to read the game, find space, make space, exploit space. Um, And I think that that 
way that we're going to have to be versatile instead of just relying on, you know, um, using some of our dynamic players up front. I think that that is going to help us. Like, as we prepare for World Cup qualifiers, you're going to play against teams that sit in low blocks. And football is growing in the world. And, and qualifying for the World Cup is not a given for the U.S. any anymore. And Lori and I know that firsthand. We were on a team that had to do the play-in game, right? Like we lost to Mexico in the semifinal and it's just, it's not a given. So um, having an opportunity to refine that and um, experiencing it for young players is going to be important. But like Lori said, like, and I think sometimes a, a young player is more inclined to see the goal and go and like, you know, those services that we're talking about into the box, like, you know, we're over it, all right, or past that, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're moving on from that. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be important for those young players to get experience and, and feel comfortable and, and be patient, even though they might feel like they have an opportunity at that moment to go 1v1, um, to just keep it and maybe open up better opportunities. So I think one would be the versatility, um, the experience, and then obviously getting younger players some confidence because, you know, rolling a ball downhill gains so much more momentum. And, and like we're watching Sophia Smith and Mal Pugh be um, taking advantage of that momentum and that confidence right now in the league. So, you know, when forwards are flying, they're feeling good about themselves. Like they're unstoppable at different times. Um, And one thing I always have to add in something about the goalkeepers is another way that you can break that low block is something that we see Ederson doing and something we see Ter Stegen doing is coming out high out of the back with the ball and dribbling Mm -hmm. past the center backs. And what that does is it draws pressure from the front line toward you because they got to get pressure on the ball. And typically when the front line, the first line uh, steps and the midfield also steps, but if you don't get quick enough pressure on the ball, the back line drops. And what happens, What the midfield stepping and the back line dropping, there's heaps of space between the lines for the goalkeeper to find that pass into. And if the back line decides not to drop, then you can play a ball in behind that, that back four into seams where you can utilize those quick players. So, I think goalkeepers in this position um, playing against teams that aren't going to press have a real advantage um, to create Mm -hmm. numerical overloads, especially um, in the midfield. Those are great points you make. You One thing that you mentioned, Jill, is not being able to just send balls in over the top, attacking mindset-wise. I mean, it, the goalkeeper joining in and breaking those lines of press one or two is fantastic and definitely necessary. But once the United States gets the ball into their attacking end, and, and when we look at, let's use both of your starting front three with Pew, Macario, and Smith up top and Haran, uh, Sanchez, that that front five unit, what kind of attacking patterns do you want to see from them? What are the different options for unlocking a block? I mean, I'll, I'll go a little bit. I think, you know, when you look at a Macario, we know that she can stay high if she mm-hmm. wants and open up some space and play back to goal. She has that, uh, that, that ability, but also she likes to drop in and get on the ball as well and look to see if she can get turned and faced up. So, you know, that's a very simple one. If Macario is dropping in, then who's getting in behind then and asking those questions, right? Because then that forces a center back to have to step in or do they stay? And then where is the space if they stay? Who's picking up Macario? Who's not, right? And then it, then that becomes an easy understanding of um, where the space is. It's either in front of the back line or behind, depending on the timing of the ball as well, coming from the run. So um, that would be one th- 
that's a very general and very like right. simple one that we could be looking for easily. And then also something that Vlakoen and Asi talks a lot about, which is the triangles on the outside, the winger, that's um, that near side midfielder with that outside um, back. And again, that goes with like the positioning of um, in particular, the winger plus the, the outside back on and where they are. Are they more central? Are they out wide? Or is it opposite, right? If Sophia Smith is on the right side, is she cutting in? Does Huerta need to provide the width then? What does that look like? So, I mean, all of that, all of those movements um, are dependent on how we're moving the ball and then also what is the defense giving you? So mm-hmm. it's easy for us to maybe sit here and come up with some stuff, but really it's going to, are they shifting are they not shifting? Are they just staying? What time of game is it in? Are they exhausted? Right? Like, can you, can you, um, I mean, I think Jill made an interesting point about dribbling too. A lot of defenses are set up for passing to deny passing angles. And that's what makes Rose so special when she's in is because she wants to dribble. She wants to dribble at speed. It's so difficult to defend because a lot of teams aren't accustomed to that and they don't want to defend that one V one. So, you know, that will be interesting if Rose isn't starting. What does the defensive structure look like? And can they bring her in and getting the ball deeper roll and then start running at the back line? One thing, Jill, you mentioned earlier is one of your key points that you want to look at is getting these younger players experience. And as Lori alluded to, so much of this game, there are no timeouts in soccer, newsflash, and there's nothing that you can almost reset. <laughs> heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first. If, if you missed that uh, Bayern Munich game, now you know. They, they don't have time to kind of reconnect. So it's so much about having that footballer IQ and understanding the game and different ways to do those types of things. When you look at this younger group uh, that's looking to get experience that also needs to have a high football IQ, how do they do that on the fly and what kind of needs to happen for them to problem solve mid game to unlock a team that's sitting in a low block? I mean, yeah, we're talking about younger players, but we're not talking about inexperienced footballers. I mean, you look at Mal Pugh. She won a World Cup. She was on the World Cup team. Sophia Smith, she is doing it at the highest level in the world week in and week out in the NWSL. So, like, like Macario, like, yes, she maybe not has that much experience with the national team, but, like, she just scored that amazing goal in Champions League. I mean, come on. Like, these are really intelligent football players who have done it at the highest level who can figure out things on the fly. I mean, they're playing against some really tough defenders each week. Um, and it's just going to be about their communication and, and their patterns of, of moving into space and finding those little gaps, which we see Pew and Smith do so well up top and, and Macario finding the space in the midfield. So um, as much as we are talking about their youth, I think that these are really experienced younger players that, maybe aren't coming in just out of college like we've seen in the past. So they're, you know, seasoned almost in an in, in NWSL, mm-hmm. seasoned vets at this point. Yeah, they exactly are. Someone uh, leaving us a comment, Christopher, in our chat, asking about Rose Lavelle and types of roles that we could see her in. I had her as one of the players coming off my bench, slotting in alongside uh, Ashley Sanchez in the midfield because I want to see that partnership. But for Rose Lavelle, even this last weekend in the NWSL, uh, Laura Harvey at Oil of Rain played her on the winger. She was occupying those wide spaces. Um, when you look at a player like Rose Lavelle in, and maybe this type of game, look into your crystal ball as to what to expect in this, but where can Rose be 
utilized and the skill sets that Lavelle has? Is it more centrally? And, and what can she provide when she is on the, the width and in the flank for a team like this? Well, I was going to bring this up because Laura Harvey did speak to that directly. Mm -hmm. And it is mentioned um, by Christopher Meister, I think is how you say it. Meister, um, apologies if I'm not saying that correctly, but um, about Laura Harvey kind of protecting uh, a Rose in those games. I personally, though, I didn't bring it up because I don't see Vlaco playing Rose as a winger. I think he strictly sees her as one of the best number 10s in the game. And um, knowing that um, they want to keep her healthy. Um, he might not start her or start her depending, and she might not play the full 90 just because of that. Um, but I, I do think that her, the number 10 position is her, her best position. I think that's where she'd be the most utilized. Uh, I do think the NWSL suits yes. Rose the most because it, she is so electric when she's picking up the ball in a little bit of a deeper role and then has time and space to be running at back lines. Again, it goes to, to directly what I was talking about, which is so difficult to pick up as a defender. The last thing you want to do is chasing Rose Lavelle or defending her one V one, excuse me. No, thank you. Um, and I was a midfielder. I was like, that'll be the <laughs> last thing I didn't want to do. I'm like, where's the listen there? Help. You're getting the number six. Um, <laughs> tackle. Um, However, I don't. I think that is a wise choice for Laura Harvey and what her team needs. And given the players that they have, and it being a long season, I just think that Vlaco right now is strictly going to view um, Rose or does view her as a ten. And given that the strikers they have would rather see who they have in the actual wing position that plays that position more often than he would in terms of putting Rose there. Uh, Merchant Princess, Merchant Princess, excuse me, uh, giving a comment about Sanchez Haran and Lavelle combo in the midfield with Haran sitting back as the six. Jill, you're shaking your head. Thoughts, thoughts on this combo. I know you have Sullivan in that six role, but what are your thoughts on this trio? Didn't Blacko already try Haran in the six? And it just yeah. didn't feel, it didn't feel right. And I don't like it. And give me Andy Sullivan in the six all day. But, but is she the only one on this roster that can play that six role? Howell, Howell can. Okay. Howell for sure yeah. can. I, I think Howell will see come off the bench. I don't know if we see her starting. Um, and, and they're actually two very different players, Howell and, and Sullivan and the way that they play um, that position. So um, still very much um, a competitive mm -hmm. um, spot there. However, right now I give the upper hand to Andy just in the way that I think that these, what these games are asking for. I think that fits Andy's tool set more than it does Howell. Um, and Andy has some more experience and I think that's, that's what you need in the center of the park in these particular games right now, especially given all of our points that we've made limited yes. time heading into the, um, the qualifiers. And the only other player that we've seen consistently play that Julia, it's not called in announced mm -hmm. her pregnancy today. Congrats yeah. to the Earth's family. <laughs> I'm like, she's been pregnant for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so, okay. Before we dive into our last little segment, final thoughts from either of you on your starting lineups on player rotations, different combinations of players that you want to see in these games or anything else that you really want to learn from players or, or personnel or on problem solving in these next two friendlies in April, Jill. Yeah. I think everyone freaked out when we tied, what was it? Croatia in, mm -hmm. in 21. And 
I think it's it's a work in progress, and I think we need to be patient that not every game we play is going to be a dominating performance like we've seen in the past as football grows around the world. And if we want to continue to push the envelope and, and uh, continue to grow football in our country, we're going to need young players to eventually step up. And I think we just have to be patient in that process and not expect 10-0 wins every time we play somebody that's under rank number 10. You know, so I think patience from from us as supporters and fans, um, I think will be really important as much as patience in the game will be. Yeah. And I'll add um, consistency. I think when you have when you start to put in um, players that don't have a lot of experience at this highest level and, um, you know, limited caps, then consistency starts to become really important because that's, that is an element in terms of winning a world cup, qualifying for a world cup is being able to at this level, showing up and putting in great performances every game. Now that doesn't mean there aren't going to be mistakes, but we're seeing that on, we saw that on the men's side, right. With qualifying Mm -hmm. as well. There's so much talk about just the ups and downs. We play one really good game and then drop points in the next. And it was this young mix of uh, players that had to go through some of those growing pains and, you know, more and more with um, club soccer for, for women being more pertinent and important the team is going to have this national team is going to have less and less time together compared to what it used to. So having that consistency, creating that camaraderie and those partnerships is just going to be vital. So that's that's a lot what I'll be looking for too. Is from game one to game two, do they still have those high standards, and um, can they put those consistent performances regardless of the scoreline? Even though that's is a one parameter that you'd be looking at. There's so many different things to keep an eye on in these two friendlies. Again, they're Saturday, April 9th, and then Tuesday, April 12th for the United States Women's National Team against Uzbekistan. Our final segment before we end out our U.S. Women's National Team hour, we have Jill Lloyd in here, who is goalkeeper extraordinaire. If you haven't known it already, she loves to talk about goalkeepers. She's intelligent when she does talk about it. She runs the Keeper Institute. So anyone that is looking for some goalkeeper expertise or their children are, reach out to Jill at the Keeper Institute. And I think it's at the Keeper Institute on Twitter. That's where you can find her and a lot of her different coaching techniques that she does. I've had the pleasure of spending the last few days with Jill and I was picking her brain constantly about what I could learn being a goalkeeper. I'm not a goalkeeper. I've never played goalkeeper. I never want to play goalkeeper. I like my face and my hands, (laughs) but I want to talk to you, Jill, just ask you some questions, specifically looking at this goalkeeper trio that Black Wendonofsky has pulled in, in Bella Bigsby, Aubrey Kingsbury, and Alyssa Nair. Alyssa Nair has 79 caps at the international stage and Kingsbury and Bigsby have zero. How does this type of friendly against a team like Uzbekistan, how does that influence getting caps for Bigsby and Kingsbury or or getting Nayer back into that mix? When you look at these three goalkeepers, what stands out to you about them? Um, yeah, I think we know what Alyssa can do. She's good at claiming balls that are served into the uh, from the fl- flanks in the wide areas or deep service. She's really good at coming out um, authoritatively and winning crosses. That's, that's just her bread and butter. She has phenomenal range in her pass. I mean, she can hit a ball with such precision, and I think that that could be really useful in the evolution of the position. I think um, we're going to start seeing goalkeepers evolve more as like sixes than we are traditional ones who can just shot stop. 
Um, and I just think it adds another element to be the plus one player. You're always up a plus one in, in possession. Um, and I think that potentially Alyssa Nair's distribution could be even something more that they use to their advantage. Um, with that being said, I think uh, that's Bella Bixby's big question mark for me. I think she mm-hmm. has done well in Challenge Cups and um, earns a call up, rightfully so. Youth, younger player who um, let's throw her in and see how it goes. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that would be that important this close to qualifying. I think um, getting Bixby at camp, um, seeing how she does, giving her like an IDP to work on to go home and like continue to evolve and develop um, would be important. I think the main focus should be on Kingsbury and getting her minutes, getting her time, getting her experience. Um, we saw this happen to AD French a couple of years ago with Jill Ellis. Her first cap was against England. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did they call it um something by that fire by fire yeah, there you go <laughs> um, and and that wasn't in my opinion being in ad france's position uh at one point in my career that was not setting her up for success and you know what she did in that game she picked up the ball outside the box and it caused a, a free kick which they scored on and you know, obviously, as a goalkeeper, we have to take responsibility for that. But I do think that wasn't the best setup for her. Getting her some minutes beforehand probably would have been more helpful, especially um, I think that was in a lead up to a major tournament. Um, mm-hmm. So I think getting Kingsbury some minutes would be helpful. I think that she's consistently proven that she can do it in the NWSL against some of the best forwards in the world. Um, and let's see how she does. Give her, give her that confidence. Give her that backing um, that I think she she rightfully deserves. And then, obviously, we haven't even talked about Casey Murphy, who I don't know what her injury is or timeline in, in return to play. Um, but if if she's in the mix, that that is a um, different conversation for her because I think that she would be the the focus i think next after Alyssa. um but again yeah we know what Alyssa can do um maybe that second tier goalkeeper position could be open and i I don't know if murphy has enough time to break in as number one um we've seen some tools we see that she has the capability to come up with some big saves um i I you're okay (laughs) it's okay jill it's all right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's all right families lives we're doing these from our homes we get it jill <laughs> you know that's kate dog so you guys can blame her okay um <laughs> uh no i think that uh if there was a little bit more time that casey murphy could put a little more pressure on Alyssa there but with this being so close to qualifying and, and potentially a world cup i don't know if she has enough time to do it so you mentioned Casey Murphy. What about Jane Campbell? She was in the mix a little. AD French not called into this. Thoughts on those two? Uh, AD French um, and Jane Campbell. That's a good question. I don't think Jane's done enough in the league. I don't okay. think um, I don't think that she's done enough in the league to put her name in that mix. Um, I thought that they would have played her, bringing her all the way to Australia, and they didn't. Um, and whether that was a great performance by Casey Murphy in that first game, and they wanted to see what else she could do. Um, but I don't see them in her plans. I, I, I think she has a lot of tools, but we really haven't seen the best of her yet. Um, and I think it's been quite a long time waiting to see the best of her, and we just haven't seen it yet. 
Laura, you had something you were going to ask uh, Jill oh, earlier. Well, so just, I, well I wasn't going to ask Jill, but I think Jill touches on this with with goalkeepers mm-hmm. and, and giving the confidence. And, and I think that's what's interesting about this young group, um, just with my final comment, is that when you get a taste at the national team level – it is a different level than in WSL and it just instills confidence. So then when you go back to your club team, there's a higher level that you demand. And I kind of touched about this, I think even last week, Lisa, but that's why it's so important for these goalkeepers for somebody like Kingsbury to get on the field in one of these games, because then it does help her in terms of that confidence. And then you take that back to the NBCL and it raises everybody around you. And so I think this is an interesting, really, really critical time and interesting time for our U S women's national team, because we're going to start to see that, you know, that level being raised by quite a few of these players that are just getting um, some of their first caps underneath their belt. We've already seen that with Ashley Sanchez. She deserved it from last year, but getting called in, you get that little taste. And now her game is already even um, raised even more with the Washington spirit. Same with Trinity Robin, right? So. Yeah. A lot of great, things to that we've touched on throughout this looking at our starting lineups to what we want to see from these teams and Jill thanks so much for letting us pick your goalkeeper brain Uh, we hope to have you back to do it again before we close out final thoughts on anything goal scoreline prediction for the first match if you want to give that to me but final thoughts uh Lori I'll go to you first okay oh goodness the goal, uh, I ha- actually, I have no clue on this one. I think it really depends on, it actually doesn't depend on who they roll out. I think it just depends on the chemistry of the the players. Um, doesn't matter really about the, the attackers. I think we have tons of goal scorers. Um, but I, I'll just go back to what I said, which is consistency between the two performances, mm-hmm. getting some of these players um, some good experience and um, building the momentum heading into the final two games prior to qualifiers. Jill, final thoughts from you? Um, I hope Mal Pew scores so that we can hear Pew, Pew, Pew. (laughs) I love it. Hoping for a Pew, Pew, Pew goal call. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. United States plays Saturday, April 9th, and then again on Tuesday, April 12th. If you like this video, drop your social handle in the chat and look out for a DM from us. You can be our Paramount Plus subscription winner. Follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third for more. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube to catch our interviews and to get alerts from when we go live. YouTube.com slash attacking third we'll be back next monday for another u.s women's national team hour with Lori Lindsay. we'll recap the game on saturday and take a look at what is to come for the tuesday match thank you so much everyone for joining us jill thank you for being here we hope everyone has a great day this is tony kornheiser show i'm tony we expected someone else so what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.